This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. You're listening to Mastering Innovation on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM 111. Hello and welcome back. I'm Nikolai Zikoko, Professor of Management and Co-Director of the Mac Institute for Innovation Management at Wharton. I'm joined by my co-host, Saika Chowdhury, Executive Director of the Mac Institute. This is Mastering Innovation on Sirius XM's business radio powered by the Wharton School. Now, I'm thrilled to introduce my next guest, Mike Gerber. He is the Executive Vice President of Corporate Affairs at FS Investments. At FS Investments, Mike oversees the firm's communications and government affairs teams. He oversees corporate responsibility, and he is the president of FS Investments Foundation. Uh, Mike is also a member of the Board of Trustees here at the University of Pennsylvania, and he is on the Board of Directors of the Chamber of Commerce for Greater Philadelphia. Mike, welcome to the studio, and you know, thank you so much for joining us today. Great to be with you guys. Thanks for having me. Wonderful. So, Mike, maybe first start, let us start out with telling our listeners a little bit about what is actually FS Investments. So whenever I look up FS Investments, it says, formerly known as Franklin Square Capital Partners. Right. So. Right. Little name change. We, yes. uh, well. We have an awesome mission at FS. Um, we were founded with this vision of bringing certain types of investment products to retail investors that historically were available only to really wealthy families or large institutional investors like pension funds and university endowments like we have here at Penn, so that folks could build more diversified and hopefully more effective portfolios to save for life's milestones, whether it's college education or buying a home or just having a happy retirement. Yeah, great. Uh, so when you say alternative investments, tell us a bit more of what, what, what is that? Sure, <laughs> sure. Well, if you were to look at a portfolio of a large institutional investor like University Endowment, you'll, you'll see equities, you'll see fixed income investments in there, publicly traded securities, but you'll also see alternatives or, or private securities. So you'll see private equity, venture capital, private debt, private real estate, um, hedge, but retail investors historically haven't had access to those types of strategies, right? So when our grandparents were investing, they'd buy a name. They'd buy GE or they'd mm -hmm. buy GM, and they might buy their stock or they'd buy their, their credit in the form of a bond. Uh, and then, of course, in the 80s, you had a proliferation of mutual funds. Mm -hmm. And so you could build a, quote, unquote, diversified portfolio by going into one or two or three or four mutual funds that have exposure to a bunch of different names. But the reality is you're still investing in, in securities that are traded in the markets. And whereas with alternatives, you ha get exposure to non-correlated securities. And, and retail investors historically haven't had access to that. So uh, we launched our first fund in 2009, giving folks access to private credit, something we thought would, would have the benefit of non-correlation, would uh, help folks avoid the volatility of the markets. And you can imagine what was going on in January of 2009. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, but it was a great time to come out with a private credit product, and it performed very well. Yeah. And so now we've launched nine other funds and across a, a variety of alternative strategies. Alternative sounds like it's a small little market, but just give us an idea of how large is that market actually relative to the publicly traded stocks? Well, it, you know, and, and it's a loaded question and a good question no, because no. The, the reality uh -huh. is people don't realize it, but the vast majority of businesses here in this country aren't publicly traded. Yeah. Um, and so you have all of these retail investors pouring money into about 5% of the market. And, uh, and very few investors, large institutions, very wealthy folks, playing in that other 95%. So 
this is giving folks exposure to a much mm-hmm. broader array of businesses. Yeah. Yeah, and just thinking about again about wanting to hold a diversified portfolio. So yes. look, right, you're actually not diversified if That's you're not right. part of that that part of the economy, which is a huge part of the economy. Exactly. Right? Absolutely. Interesting. Interesting. Um, now, what's sort of your role at FS Investments as executive vice president for corporate affairs and wearing right. apparently a couple of <laughs> other hats as well? There? Well, it, you know, we we're still in a way a, a startup. You know, so when I joined the firm in 2012, I had been on the board of one of the funds and served as outside counsel. Uh, friends of mine had started it with this very noble mission. Um, and I was passionate about seeing them succeed because they're my friends, but also because it's such an interesting mission. Um, and so when I joined in, in 12, uh, those of us on the executive committee, we were wearing you know, every hat imaginable, uh-huh. right? So uh-huh. uh, since I've been at the firm, I've overseen product development, human resources, communications, government relations, corporate res- social responsibility, as you mentioned. Yeah. Um, started the foundation, um, and the reality is we were all pitching in everywhere. You know, we all have been helping out um, in every which way we can. And as we've grown, um, our swim lanes have narrowed a bit, and we've been able to focus on areas where where it's most appropriate. And so, in my case, because of my background, uh, these days I'm primarily focused on communications, government relations, and corporate social responsibility. It sounds like uh, FS um, and its former instantiation, Franklin Square Capital Partners, it has been innovative itself in bringing new products and services to the market, or at least to a segment that didn't um, have access to that before. Um, how did you come up with that? And how was this you know, able to be executed in a market where you have so many larger competitors trying to protect all that? Yeah, so... Uh and I certainly can't take credit for it because <laughs> uh, the folks that innovated in the early days uh, you know, predated uh, my being at FS. Of course, but, of course. Um, but but the reality is, as uh, it, first of all, it's a I think a tone that starts at the top. So yeah. our founder and CEO is one of the hardest working people you'll ever meet. It's the hardest working person in our firm has been since day one, continues to be to this day. Number one, number two, uh, very passionate about doing the right thing for investors and for our clients, the intermediaries we deal with, the financial advisors that that represent those investors. Being curious, you mm-hmm. know, being interested in what's going on in the world and and having, you know, an ear to the ground and constantly learning. And and all those traits, uh, when, when you have a CEO that, that carries those traits, I think it, it then spreads throughout the firm. And so we have a very hardworking group. We have a very mission-oriented, committed group. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have a group that collaborates and, and likes to think outside the box. And so I think building that culture is critical, and, and that's what our CEO has done since day one. And I think that's a foundational aspect of it. So, um, you know, in that spirit, we see that there's innovation going on in the finance space. And people talk a lot about something called fintech. And, and fintech can be many things. And, and uh what are your thoughts about fintech and especially those firms, startups and the like, who are using technology such as robo-advisors to make advising decisions or managing portfolios in that fashion? Is that something you think about? Where do you see it going? And how does it affect you as a firm? Sure. So certainly something we, we follow. Um, firm like ours, uh, when you have to distribute your funds and, and raise capital, you try to uh, learn everything you can about all the different channels out there. and. Uh, certainly, we you know we distribute through multiple channels, um, and we're on top of what's happening in the robo world. We're not distributing through robos at this time, but it's certainly something we follow. You know, we we think there's a place for them mm-hmm. um, in in the market. 
Um, it's certainly great when you can bring functional product to the market at low cost. Um, we also think there's a human element to investing that's very important. And, um, it, you know, I'm sure some of the robo-innovators are going to find a way to bring that human element to what they do. Um, but we still think the, the, the financial advisor and the connectivity between the financial advisor and investors is very important. Um, we actually interact very little with our investors. We interact with the financial advisors, the intermediary. Mm -hmm. And the time and effort that they put into understanding their clients' needs and how and matching those needs with the appropriate products is really important. So clearly the relationship, as you just said, with the financial advisors is very important. And so you mentioned really this human element of all of this. What role does actually technology then play in your business? Well, it plays a big role in our business. Uh, I, I would uh, assume, know. right? So <laughs> it plays, it plays a big the, role uh, in every business uh -huh, yeah, these days, yeah, yeah. right? Uh -huh. uh, it's critically important. Uh, first of all, cybersecurity is something that a firm like ours has to be mm -hmm. very mindful mm -hmm. of. Um, and protecting our clients' assets is a very important responsibility that we carry. So there's a huge technology component to that, number one. Number two, like every business, we're always striving to be as efficient as we can be with our business processes. And again, technology can play a really critical role in helping achieve the efficiency that, that we want to achieve. And then, of course, there's the, the intelligence that comes from being effective with data. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have invested a lot in, um, in statisticians and folks that know how to mine data and, and build programs to, to use data to make what we do work better for our clients and better for us. Mm -hmm. So how would you describe you know, innovation within FS Investments, right? There's probably innovation in terms of how to run a particular fund. There's maybe innovation about what kind of new funds or products to offer. What's kind of the space of innovations that you're thinking about? Yeah, so certainly bringing new funds to market is a big part of, of what we do. And it's in part why we've had the success we've had. And, and we have a great team of people that work on product development. I mentioned earlier it was something for which I was responsible early on. And <laughs> what that really meant was responsible for building a team that could execute on that effectively. And uh, we ultimately brought on a new partner who's our chief investment officer, Mike Kelly, who runs product development, has built a terrific team. And they have a very... Uh, detailed and and um, and focused effort uh, that they use to innovate on the fund side, and so I, I think a big part of it is listening and understanding what's happening in the market. Um, you know, sometimes folks get interested in something and try to push it on the market when the market doesn't want it, and that doesn't always work so well. Um, and so we have disciplined ourselves to be great listeners, to really understand what the market needs, what's lacking in the market, and how can we fill those voids. We like to think of ourselves as, as problem solvers. Um, so I think responsiveness is a, is a key word. Uh, certainly functionality. Mm -hmm. You know, the stuff has to work. Yep. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. uh, and we've tried some things that, that haven't worked. And, and then simplicity. That's something we've really focused mm -hmm. on. We've uh, tried to bring some products to market that we were really excited about, but they were complicated, and, and for our channels, it's hard to sell complicated. Mm -hmm. um, and so the story has to work, and simplicity is important. And so I think working through with, with those factors, responsiveness, functionality, simplicity, um, we can be effective innovators. Yeah. When you say responsiveness, this is sort of interesting because my sense is the products that you bring out onto the market are somewhat long-lived, right? This is yes. not like, oh, it's an app, and if the app doesn't work, we'll pull That's it off right. the shelf tomorrow <laughs> right. and add a new app. That's right? right. So you are really more like 
constructing like a car, right? So once we launch it, it'll be around for a while, yes. right? So, so what is actually kind of the, the time span over which you think about, okay, if we offer a new fund, what, what's... Yeah, the so uh, the funds that we've launched are permanent capital vehicles. Yeah. So mm -hmm. uh, unlike a traditional drawdown private equity fund that uh, you liquidate after you know seven to 10 years, mm -hmm. uh, we expect our funds to exist in perpetuity. Um, even longer than your car. Uh, <laughs> think of it more like your house, mm -hmm. you know? Yep, and yep. so um, you know, we, we look at the underlying strategy, the underlying investment strategy. Uh, we look at the managers, the best managers with whom we can partner to execute on that strategy. And then we look at the structure. What kind of fund structure do we want to use um, to execute effectively on that underlying strategy? And, and I, you know, we've, Knock on wood, we've gotten it right focusing on those three areas. In case you're just tuning in, you're listening to Mastering Innovation on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. I'm Nikolai Zikolko, and I'm joined by my co-host, Saika Chowdhury. And our guest in the studio is Mike Gerber, the Executive Vice President for FS Investments. Now, we just talked a little bit about innovation and, and where it's coming on. And we just had an interesting discussion with Melissa, uh, who has studied lots of innovators and serial innovators. And uh, so she made the point that Quite often, it's really individuals who come up with ideas, but then we maybe need teams and the right organizations to get these ideas actually to market and to make a product out of it. Can you walk us a little bit through sort of the innovation process at FS Investments? Sure. Uh, it really started with our founder, Michael Foreman. Uh, so Michael was a corporate lawyer here in Philadelphia, uh, did a lot of work in the venture capital and private equity space. Um, left the practice of law and, and was running both a private real estate and a private equity fund. When some folks shared with him this idea of, of trying to bring those strategies to, to the retail markets. Um, and so Michael, to your point, was, was that individual who, who had an idea and a passion for it, and he pulled together a great team that then executed. To follow up on that, you mentioned the, the role of people quite often, how important they are for spotting new trends, developing strategies, executing on this. How do you recognize good people and then bring them in? It sounds so easy, but it yeah. can't be that easy. You know, it's a great question. And it's not that easy. And, and we take great pride in, in hiring great people. And um, you'll hear our CEO say all the time, it starts with our people. Mm -hmm. And we really believe that to, to our core. It's also challenging running a financial services business in Philadelphia. You know, we're, we're recruiting talent primarily out of New York and trying to bring folks back to, I say back to Philadelphia because in many cases they're from Philly or maybe they went to Penn and they've had some exposure to Philadelphia. Um, and so that's a bit of a challenge. Our headquarters is here. We have over 300 employees. 225 of them are here in Philadelphia down at the Navy Yard. Um, we have smaller office in New York, Washington, D.C., Orlando, and and some colleagues that live remotely throughout the country. But um, most of our folks are here in Philadelphia. And, and so finding that talent in Philadelphia, uh, we've had to get creative. Uh, one of the things that we did was we relocated to the Navy Yard. And we had an opportunity to create an environment that we thought would help attract talent and support our mission, uh, support the creativity and innovation that we want to drive support the sense of duty that we have to our investors. Um, and so we've uh, been fortunate to use that space to build the environment that, that can attract talent. And then, um, you know, we use a lot of data and analytics in the recruiting process mm -hmm. um, to help get the right fit. 
and uh, those were some strategies that were introduced to us by one of our original partners um, who had a background in HR and had built other companies and was really great at, at um, introducing these strategies to help us identify the right talent. You talked a lot about the ecosystem and building that, how important that is in the Navy Yard. Um, there's something which binds us because at the Mac Institute, we have been um, working to help Amazon HQ be attracted to Philadelphia. And I'm not sure you care about causes like this as well. Very much. Um, how do you feel about that, about the ecosystem in Philadelphia and how we can you know, further build that, what needs to be done? Sure. So that's something I thought about when I was in public office. You know, I served eight years in public office and um, care deeply about this region. I'm born and raised here and raising my family here, went to school here, and I'm involved with, with some of the critical institutions that, that support the area. Um, including the university. Uh, so I think a lot about how to support the region. And in my role uh, on the executive committee at the Chamber of Commerce, I have an opportunity to really engage in those types of processes, including the Amazon process. We have a lot to sell in Philadelphia. I don't know that we've been great at selling <laughs> mm-hmm. everything we have, um, but we have a lot to sell. It's a, it's a fabulous place. Um, lots of critical assets, certainly the universities, certainly the healthcare systems. We talk about eds and meds all the time. But awesome cultural opportunities here. Um, certainly we won the Super Bowl, and that's a lot of fun <laughs> and exciting. And for those of us that were born and raised in Philadelphia, uh, we waited a long time for that. Um, but we're not just a sports town. You know, we have amazing art museums and uh, great orchestra. And when you look at all of those assets, you realize that w- this region offers a wonderful quality of life. And uh, I think whether it's Amazon or, or any, other, any of the other recruiting efforts that we have going right now, um, we have a lot to offer. Uh, I think what we can be better at doing mm-hmm. is uh, getting the private sector and the public sector to partner more effectively. And that's been, I think, one of our challenges over the years. There is a perception that Philadelphia is not business friendly, and I think that's something we need to change. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, we have a mayor that is aware of that and a city council that's becoming more aware of that. And so, um, you know, as a, as a leader from the private sector here in Philadelphia, FS is, is a part of that process and our engagement through the chamber and uh, serving on boards of nonprofits. We, we've tried to help drive that message, and, and I think we're getting better at it. And I th- but I do think there's a lot of room to improve, and I think the Amazon competition, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm sure this is happening in other cities, but, it, but I think it, it woke some people up here, right, and, and made us realize we need to do a much better job. Great. Maybe you can tell us a little bit more about this other hat that you're wearing, and that's being the president of the FS Investments Foundation. Sure. So what, what's, what's the role of that foundation? So the foundation is something we care deeply about at FS, and I'm certainly very proud of it. Um, We, as an executive committee, are very committed to driving culture, as I mentioned earlier. And one element of that is to develop a dutiful mindset amongst our employees. Um, We're in a business where we have a fiduciary duty to our investors and to our clients. And you guys have seen it. We've all seen it far too often when businesses breach that duty um, it, it, it's not only devastating to the business, but certainly it's bad for their, their clients and their customers. And so we thought long and hard about how can we build that dutiful mindset. And our view was if we could drive a sense of civic responsibility, it would reinforce that, that 
fiduciary duty we have to our clients and investors. So uh, all of our employees get three paid days off to perform community service, and we have a team of people that put those community service events together every month. Um, we have a matching program, so when our employees give to charity, we will match it. We have a board placement uh, service that we provide our employees, so we help match employees with nonprofits so they can engage in community service through a board, uh, you know, through a board seat and, and develop professionally because, you know, serving on nonprofit boards is a great way to develop professionally. And so we like to have a comprehensive relationship with all of the nonprofits with which we partner. We like to be able to volunteer to support it. We like to give it money. We like to put people on the boards. Um, and so we've worked really hard to develop that, that sense of duty uh, to, to help build a culture that we think will help our business and help our clients. And through that, um, we got very focused on financial literacy. Mm-hmm. And so we now have a partnership with the Wharton School to deliver financial literacy to high school students here mm-hmm. in Philadelphia. We're in six schools. Uh, we're going out actually next month, which is Financial Literacy Month, with an application to add five more schools. So we'll be in 11 schools next year. And it's a comprehensive program. We deliver financial literacy curriculum in school. There's an after-school component both at the school and in our offices where the kids are exposed to entrepreneurship, uh, an entrepreneurship curriculum. And then we go into the schools at night and on the weekends and deliver the financial literacy curriculum to the families of the kids as well. Mm. So it's a multi-generational approach. Um, I'd like to say we innovated that, but the reality is that was <laughs> that was uh, the dream of, of a professor here at Penn um, who's just done a phenomenal job, uh, Keith Weigold, who I'm, I'm sure you What's guys... Our colleague. Yeah, <laughs> yep. he's a great guy. And uh, Jill Bazelon, uh, who works with him. And they have this program, Bridges to Wealth, and so we've built an extension yep. of that program uh, to focus on, on high schools. Well, what a wonderful way to end the show. Uh, <laughs> so un- unfortunately, that's all we have time for today. I mean, again, thank you all so much for joining us. Uh, if you have a question about something you heard on today's show, please email us at businessradio at Be sure to follow us on our show on Twitter at bizradio111. And of course, you can follow the Mac Institute at our own Twitter handle at Mac Institute. Mike, thank you so much for joining thank us you, today gentlemen. here in the uh, in the studio. That was a lot of fun. Uh, where can listeners find out more about what you are doing and what your company is doing? Yeah, on our website, www.fsinvestments.com. Okay, wonderful. Well, again, also, uh, of course, special thank you to uh, our other guest, Melissa Schilling, uh, the author of the new book, Quirky. Uh, and uh, we also would like to uh, thank our producer, Brian Dew, uh, as well as our engineer, Tatiana Zamis, who always provide lots of uh, help there in the background. Um, Seikard, any last word kind of on, on this day? People are very important. Uh, that sounds like a common theme that we've heard again and again. All right. Until next time, I'm Nikolai Zikilko, and this is Mastering Innovation on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School on Sirius XM 111. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play.